Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 579. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today I have my co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I am well. VMware as we know it, as of, well, even just a short week ago, is not the same organization. But before we get into all of that, sir, how are you? How are things out in the West Coast? And most importantly, what is the color of the bay? Yeah, let me tell you, it is uh, it is raining here in California again, and so it has been. Uh, it's foggy. Actually, we've had a big fog cloud cover. We've had rain a couple days. Uh, we're expected rain again late in the weekend. I know it's only Wednesday, but uh, rain's coming again. So we're really happy. California is finally getting some rain. The fires are all out. They got uh, you know a couple of feet of snow up in uh, the mountains. So California is experiencing the nice moment of coming into November and not having anything terribly wrong with the weather and uh, so that's happy happy with that um matt um you know you're right we got it we we did a spin-off right so uh ragu announced that uh the spin-off has taken place the stock you know dropped by you know 25 26 27 dollars a share as the dividend that vmware is delivering uh, is going out uh, to dell and to others but now we are no longer owned by dell inc now stockholders own 100 percent of the publicly shared stock so excited about that matt what do you think about that well, it certainly positions us in an, an interesting place in the marketplace, right? It, it, whereas we had a lot of alignment, and I think it will continue therein with, with Dell and EMC and, and product integration and whatnot. It puts us in a unique position as far as other OEMs, right? Of what else can we put, put out there with the HPs, the Hitachis of the world as far as integrated solutions? Um, as we start to look at, you know, HCI offerings for edge compute and whatnot. So whereas where you saw a lot of the innovation and, you know, first to market um, feature sets with Dell, um, I think that this will perhaps put us in an interesting position to do more innovation with other OEMs outside of that. There's also, you know, just from the pure um, management um, perspective of what can we do now as far as the, the flexibility of being from under the thumb that was was the mighty giant of Dell and EMC. So what it will be interesting to see how the market responds and, and how we continue to innovate. Um, no immediate effect, in my opinion, of, of what we have seen thus far, but um, it, I'm, I'm sure in a short runway, even six months, we'll start to see some, some interesting changes in and interesting uh, releases from the marketplace. 
Yep, interesting. And uh, before we go too much into that, uh, let me talk, talk about our topic topic today. We have a community member here, uh, Nee. And Nee, I'll let you. I'll introduce you, and you can tell us your last name. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Uh, nee uh, is 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 joining us. He's a blogger. Uh, he runs a blog called JustMyMusings.com. He's out of Nigeria. So Nee, uh, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. How do you say your last name? Thanks, thanks, Eric. It's, it's great to be here. So my last name is very tricky, so I'll say it very slowly. Uh, so it's Ni Oshibeluwo. Oshibelu. Yeah, so that's it. Nice. But no need, no need to memorize it. No need to say it back, too. Just, um, just type it out. It's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, welcome to the show. It's fun to get uh, uh, people from all over the globe on the, on the on the podcast. And you know, you got a, a fun blog. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've I've checked it out, and it kind of trended a little bit, right? Uh, during uh, VM World, uh, you talk about your favorite VM World sessions. So we're going to talk to you about kind of what it's like to do business in Nigeria. For, for one, get your perspective, get your perspective as a community member uh, as well as a blogger. So uh, stay tuned. He has a good VMC and AWS a blog article. He's got a little blog article about vSAN, uh, architecture diagram. So, Ni, nee, we'll get to you in a moment. But first, we'll finish up with Matt and the news um, and uh, it go from there. I know Corey's not with us today, but Corey had a vExpert briefing uh, this morning. So, if you were on that briefing, thank you. Pay attention to what Corey's doing with, uh, with briefings. Uh, he's always got them live going. And I know he had a live one this morning that he was on, so he couldn't join us today. Uh, and then, Matt, yeah, getting back to the, the spinning off of VMworld, of VMware, I've I've been here long enough to be a time when we were owned by EMC. Uh, then uh, they spun us off, um, yeah, but only for twenty percent. So we felt like a public company, but really we were we were controlled by uh, e EMC. Dell purchased us. Then we were controlled by Dell. Uh, there has always been this little bit of a hanging thing out there where what's the value of our shares, right? What's the value that we bring? Because we're always hidden by the ownership, you know, play that they do, right? Whether they're taking dividends, whether they're taking cash off the table, whether they're prohibiting us from acquiring certain companies, or whether they're encouraging us to go a strategic way. Where now... I, I see the uh, us as a company to be able to really chart our own destiny cleaner than we ever have before. So I'm excited about that. An example of this would be maybe in 10 years, no one's buying servers any longer, right? You know, maybe we're just all SaaS services on major hyperscaler SaaS cloud environments. I don't expect that to happen, but the fact that we're free to develop services that could technically compete against a Dell hardware solution, right? I mean, I like that ability as a as the world moves to SaaS and SaaS tools. They work kind of a, just a true, you know, software vendor that's offering solutions to our customers, either SaaS or you know, packaged software or you know, bundled with OE, any OEM that's out there. So I like the idea of being a free VMware once again. Well, there's the flip side of that though too, right? we were protected from the outside world as far as acquisitions and whatnot from the, the Dell agreement, the Dell and the EMC agreement. So although I, I certainly don't see it happen immediately, that there is always the possibility of acquisition now. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, some could, and you, you could right. easily say that, well, Dell could have spun us out and we could have been acquired that way. And that's true. 
But now that we're out there on the public exchange and whatnot, that there is, you know, there's always the possibility that someone in, it could come in and do a, a takeover hostile or not. Yeah, so, I, d- I know that uh, when IBM took over Red Hat, right? Like uh, who would have thought that Red Hat would be acquired by one of the big cloud providers? I did wonder, and if you look at the price they acquired it for, right? It was uh, it was in the neighborhood of $300 a share or $250, $300. And you look and go, wow, if VMware wasn't owned by Dell, I could see somebody like, you know, Amazon or Microsoft or some of the big cloud providers just coming in and wanting to own. So if you're a cloud provider purchasing VMware to get the software layers, right, to just put on your cloud, is a compelling, you know, compelling strategy. You would buy us for the customers. You'd buy us for, if you're a hyperscaler, dare I say you wouldn't buy us necessarily for the technology to improve your existing hyperscaler. You would buy us as a transition medium. You'd buy us to you to, to get those traditional on-prem workloads as a, a, a method a conduit to move into your hyperscaler. It would be almost like buying a customer base. I, yeah, I can see that strategy, but I think it's more complicated than that. So I, I would, I I would go more on the lines of you would buy it in order to provide your customer a multi cloud back and forth from my cloud to your data center software layer, right? That because all customers are not going to move completely to hyperscale. You got data concerns, you got security concerns. That what you want is that software layer that allows people to transparently shift workloads that they can right into the cloud, but then offer them the ability to shift it back. And we own that whole solution for you. And we sell it as a cloud service to you. You don't have to do anything but buy our service. So yeah, it could go either way, I guess. Right? Yeah, work mobility. We're a a traditional, you know, hyperscaler doesn't have that edge compute. You could say we're we're starting to see some of that stuff with uh, technology like AWS Outposts and whatnot, but it doesn't have that play, right? That an outpost by the, the myriad of what it is, the definition of how that stack works assumes that you've already gone through and refractored the application. You're just more worried about that locality. Whereas if you're, you're looking with our, our product, it allows you to run that, you know, the native, let's call it legacy application, the, the traditional x86 stack, uh, wherever you choose, whether that be on prem out at the edge or, or on right. one of the hyperscalers. So yeah, there's, there's, there's options. definitely there's, there's, uh, yeah. options to, to be to be had by that acquisition. Right. Yeah. Now, personally, I don't think that's the play here. I think the play is we wanted to be independent. Dell wanted to get the money out of the out of the stock, out of the dividend. Uh, they wanted to detach, right? And then this was a way to get a bunch of money. Billion to any company's bottom line certainly helps. You know, for yeah. that, that quarter's recording. That's right. And, and then, for us, you know, it looks. You know, there is. It's definitely not guaranteed, but there is a, a good chance that we're going to be listed on uh, Standard & Poor 500, which will help our visibility and p- perhaps the overall stock performance, uh, whereas we didn't have that option before. So yeah, absolutely. I, it's, a, it's a win for all parties, at least in the short term. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, and with that, uh, so I'm excited about it. I'm excited about VMware's opportunities. I'm actually really excited about the multi-cloud solutions that we got going and all the deals we have with cloud. So I'm actually looking forward to 2022. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for VMware across the board. Uh, don't outrun the bear, just outrun the slower competitors. And we're certainly outrunning some of our slower competitors. And I'm excited about where we're headed when, it, when we do talk about multi-cloud. So yeah, and I like the idea of having our own company right VMware you can go buy us buy us on uh, on the market and hold us because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna I think do really well with our solutions so cool stuff all right with that let's get over to Ni and uh, introduce our guest from Nigeria Ni we always start with our community members how did you get into the business how long have you been in the business and uh, what do you do uh, at, at your cloud provider so why don't you take us through who you are all right. Uh, okay, so I'm a cloud solutions architect. I, I've, I've worked with technology for about 13 years, thereabouts. Uh, I think I started off, uh, I can't remember the year, but if I guess I come backwards, uh, I'll figure that out. But I started out not knowing Jack about computers. I remember a friend actually told me about uh, computers. He had a desktop and a laptop, and he gave me a desktop, and he told me, you know what, you want to learn about computers, take it, um, set it up, tear it down. When you have questions, come and meet me. And then that's actually how I started up in, in, in computers. And I started learning about um, tearing down a computer and putting it back together. So I understood all the whole components of it. So years passed. I, I got into a bit of networking. Then I got into um, um, system administration, then pre-sales engineer, I was a pre-sales engineer for a few for a few months actually. And then the last nine years or so I've been a social architect, architecting enterprise solutions and then more more recently cloud solutions. So I currently work um, for layer three. Layer three is a VMware cloud provider based out of Nigeria. We have about survey ability zones in Nigeria and we, we absolutely run VMware um, solutions to power our cloud. So I, I am excited about um, the prospects that cloud brings, especially in Nigeria. Um, here, Africa and Nigeria, we are, we are a little far behind when it comes to technology. Uh, we're usually trying to play a catch-up game. And I think there are some statistics that show that um, Africa, when it comes to public cloud spending, we only consume about 1% of, um, of, um, of the global spending when it comes to cloud. So we're really trying to catch up. And I think some of the hyperscalers and VMware are interested in this region, and that's why um, we have a few cloud providers, VMware cloud providers in Africa and in Nigeria, and then I'm, I'm lucky to be working for one of them. So I had, I have had a, a, a good chance to work with um, VMware solutions um, uh, from ESX 3.5, I believe, yes. I started working with it, and I remember I was fascinated with the technology. I used to use Workstation a lot, so, I, I was no stranger to it, but then when I found out about ESX, I was like, wow, this is some powerful tools. And uh, the rest is pretty much history. Um, most of the solutions, in fact, all of the solutions that VMware has released have been very exciting innovations. I, I remember, even as I'm speaking to you, I remember the excitement I felt when I when I first did my first motion and uh, migrated a VM from one host to another. And I remember I was pinging that machine and it was just one ping timeout that I got, and I was like, wow, 
I had to go and physically check the, the, the servers that okay, I actually moved the VM from right. one yeah. from one host to another. Right? So did it did it actually do it? There wasn't did it actually yeah, do it? Right? Yeah. I, don't believe I have to go and check it out again just to be sure. But I remember I was I was so excited I started telling everybody about it, and um, uh, and um, I think that's why I decided to start up a blog. Um, I I end up talking a lot about technology to people around me, and um, I actually enjoy doing that, um, mentoring people. And then I said, well, I felt, okay, why not just write about um, some of these things I've learned over the years, some of the things I, I'm interested in, some of the things I want to dabble in. Uh, so I, I personally have a curious mind, so I'm always trying to look for, um, of, of, of just, just to solve a problem that I can see around me. So. I found out that technology is a very valuable tool for that. So, yeah, and VMware I, is also doing a whole lot. Yeah. I, I got to say, uh, at VMworld this year, we were talking with the events team about, you know, how did VMworld do? How did people like the Slack channels? And and I would say, I, my feedback to the event team was that I think it was a great event across the globe. And that if you look at the amount of activity we have uh, in the African continent and in the Middle East, right, we're seeing a ton of people, right? Like just a lot of community engagements, right? A lot of bloggers, a lot of just people engaging with that content, right? Which it's fascinating to see as we, you know, originally in the, you know, back in the ESX or you know, virtual infrastructure 3.5 days, it was a lot of Europe, right? A lot of US, right? Uh, and then it, when, the, when the time clock hit, hit, you know, Asia and around, around, the, around the globe, you saw dark spots, right? Uh, but now yeah. in the last five years or so, I've just seen more and more community members coming out of that region. So it's great to see that, you know, it's, it's there and just getting exposure into the community, right? It's, it's, it's nice to see it. And I, I got to say that your, your blog was fun to read and been at. So we'll just do a shout out at, um, I think it is my, just my musings.com. Yeah. So yeah. just my musings.com. Uh, and it looks like you've been at it for multiple years now, right? You have uh, articles out there uh, for a few years now. So, um, I, I slowed down a bit. I started writing some, some personal stuff and just putting my thoughts down in, in a particular place. So I had a lot of articles and I, I, I paused, got distracted, and then I, I, I came back uh, in full speed last year, I believe. Uh, but I think in, in Africa and in Nigeria, one of the interesting things for me is I get to see how technology actually changes lives. You understand how, and for instance, it's, it, it's, it's weird to say that maybe to, to, to you guys now, but it's quite interesting for us when I go to the hospital now, we're no longer dealing with paper-based um, files, trying to find my, my records or my, my child's records or things like that. Everything is now computerized and that's some cool stuff. So you have a lot of hospitals that, are, that either have all of their data on the cloud or they're using some powerful virtualization and some server infrastructure somewhere and all of their branches are all networked. So, I get to see how that saves a lot of time. And in healthcare, time is precious, you understand? So right. once you can see how technology can improve um, little things like that, it's actually very interesting. And then that is on one side. And on the flip side, you get, I get to walk into um, data centers and see how um, uh, people are utilizing their data, how they're getting analysis and analytics from their data and things like that. So it's actually very fun to work with both sides of the of the divide here. 
I, I always wonder now that, you know, you have the cloud infrastructure showing up, whether, you know, some some companies will skip the generate, you know, grow their IT just directly in the cloud versus, you know, building out their data center. Like we absolutely build out data center in the US because there was no such concept as cloud. But as how you guys are growing, are you seeing people kind of skip through generations of vSAN and storage on-prem and just move into cloud solutions? It's happening, but it's happening very slowly. Um, a lot of people still like, um, uh, the tangible servers, they like to be able to walk into a room and say, this particular is this particular server is where my, my, my ERP is running, or this is where my finance application is running. And especially with um, um, government organizations, it's, 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 it's this uh, sentimental attachment that, that they have and people have with physical server so it's, it's happening but it's happening very slowly yeah that's yeah. Uh, i've heard that already and, and it does make sense it's kind of inverse thinking in that you would think that you might skip the you know the the the, the on-prem and just go directly to cloud but it seems to be i've heard the story before where people have to mature and step one is get it running in your data center, right? And be comfortable that you have it and it's working and you're virtualized and you can vMotion and you can do all the standard things, get comfortable with that. And if you're then super comfortable with that, then maybe you start migrating some of that workload into big cloud providers. But you're right in that uh, I've seen that before where people actually, if you look at, you know, some of the new markets, they're actually focused on their on-prem stuff much more. They're not even really thinking about hyperscaler cloud environments because they just, yeah. they, they want to yeah, make it work in their own environment first. It is interesting. Yeah. I, I did say it's interesting that you get to see, you know, the tangible results of new technology, your hospital example, you know that that turns into less lines, better healthcare, you know, uh, a smoother experience for customers, right? As they, as they go through the healthcare system, where you get to see that, yeah, you, you get to very tangibly see your results. That's interesting. And it gives me some fulfillment as an architect because it means I can have conversations with customers and 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 be able to relate, because that's one thing about what I do. Um, I can relate with a customer at whatever point they are in. So because at one point I was there, I didn't know anything about technology, and I and I grew at different levels. So if I'm in, engaging with a particular customer that is stuck um, with um, some challenges in their on-premise environment, I can basically help in architecting a solution that would um, give them that same on-premise environment, probably fix some of their issues, and then also give them a future in the cloud with the whole multi-cloud and disaster recovery to the cloud. Uh, there's a whole lot of potential that, that we have um, with the technologies that we're seeing, and it's it's endless. I, I think there's a there's 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 no limits to the amount of things we can do um, with, with the technology that we're seeing. So that's the interesting thing about um, VMware technologies that I have worked with, and. Um, it's actually quite fascinating. Yeah. So we mentioned VMworld a little bit, right? And uh, I know that everybody got to go to VMworld. I got to see participation in the Slack channels across the clock, across the globe. We stayed up, I think, for 48 hours straight. We always had somebody from the community in Slack channels saying hello to people. And you could see the time zones tick through people coming in saying hello from different countries. Um, do, were you able to ever go to a physical VMworld? And what did you think of the virtual VMworld? Uh, what's your VMworld impressions? Yeah, I, I, I got a chance to attend um, 2018. Um, was that in the U.S. That, or was that in uh, Barcelona? That was in Barcelona. Okay. That was in Barcelona. I'm trying to remember the, um, 
uh, the, the the tagline for 2018. Yes, but it was actually, I think one of the impressive things about BM World was from the moment I landed at Barcelona and I was walking on the train to um, the event at, um, at at Grand Grand Vera, I remember walking with other BM World attendees and I got to engage with people from different parts of the world. I, I, I got to speak with someone from Netherlands telling me about some of his experiences when it comes to um, uh, Workspace ONE and how he was able to deploy to certain solutions for some customers. And then now attending the actual VM world and looking at that, that pool of so many experts and customers and users from around the world and just bumping into someone and say, okay, hey, what, what do you do? What, what, what technologies do you work with? And I think it was just, it was, it was mind blowing. I really, I enjoyed every single moment of it. I wished it lasted longer. And I think that's one of the things I missed about the physical, the physical VMO. I, I miss that interaction. I miss the fact that you can just walk up to somebody and um, find out what they do and actually get to hear um, some of the things that they do and how they are using technology where they are. Yeah, uh, I think that Matt mentioned that uh, possibly possible begins with you. Might have been the yes, right. that is it. Right. That's it. Yeah, I remember very well. Yeah, I still have some of the t-shirts and uh, and souvenirs from from that time. Some awesome stuff. Matt, you've been and the were awesome. Yeah, the exchange area, solutions exchange area was just off the top, and I got to I got to get a lot of um, steps. I remember I was doing fourteen thousand steps every single day. So I I think I became healthier from just attending the, the event. <laughs> Matt, you've been quiet. Uh, any kind of uh, thoughts or questions that uh, you would have? The how is you know is, is your consulting practices and you're engaging with uh, customers, particularly with your, in your geography. We've heard throughout different you know guests that we've had on, as far as how remote work is is being handled currently, whether that's be, as an effect of the pandemic or an after effect. And I'm I'm curious how you've seen companies adapt, um, whether they're status quo, whether they're, they're still having employees uh, come on to, to their campus, or if they have started to, to move over and do more of a distributed workforce. And how is you know um, your solutions are are playing into that, and and how is your architectural um, outlook? change to adapt what's been going on within the last year and a half? Okay. Um, I think COVID changed a lot of things here. Um, just you know, obviously everywhere in the world. Um, in, in Nigeria and in Africa, we had we had maybe a few companies that were already practicing remote work. Most of the companies were actually OEMs, like VMware. VMware in Nigeria, drone, most of the um, employees from Nigeria were actually doing remote. Um, so a lot of the OEMs um, have been doing remote for years. Um, but after COVID, so during COVID and after, um, it, I think the pandemic forced a lot of companies to realize that they didn't actually have to, um, that, that they could actually get their work done even when employees were not physically in the office. So a lot of mind shifts began happening. And um, thankfully, the technology was already available. We had um, um, cloud, some cloud solutions. We had um, 
uh, uh, things like uh, virtual desktop solutions that were already in ex that were already running in some companies, and there were already technology providers that were handling those solutions. So it was easy enough for those organizations to make that shift. And what we're seeing now is, even now as the pandemic is beginning to, um, we're, we're, we're actually getting to the new normal and we're getting um, back to physical work and things like that. That shift is still there. So you have a lot of companies that are still practicing the hybrid work, um, uh, the, the, the hybrid working environment where three days on and then maybe the remaining two days of the week you can work from home or wherever you are. And so and I think it has also helped a lot of um, uh, business owners to think about um, working from, a, from an angle of um, tax-based rather than time-based. Because before then, you had to clock in your hours. You had to do your eight hours in a week. So eight, eight, eight hours in a day and 40 hours in a week. But now uh, it's about 40 tax in a week. And if you can get those, those tax done, then <laughs> whatever you want to do with your time, that's fine. So I actually like that thinking because I, I felt it was more productive. I was more productive. Yeah. And then uh, I, could, I could get up um, early in the morning and... Um, just jump right into work and they have to bother about commits times and things like that. So that shift also happened here, and uh, I think it was very it was very interesting to see even from the very stiff organisations and that they were actually embracing uh, remote work. Definitely a cultural change. It's it's interesting to see um, how it's affected work on a global scale, right? Not just in the U.S., not just in EMEA not an APJ, but truly at a global scale where, where remote work has now become, I would say, their, you know, the norm rather than the exception. Yeah, yeah it has really. Yeah, I would say that uh, one of the, the struggles I have with uh, work from home now, it is certainly gone task-based, right? Your time is your time and it's all just what, what tasks do you have, what do you have to get done? And, but in our world, sometimes the forced non-task related time is used to then brainstorm and innovate, right? And so because I no longer have time blocks that I need to sit in an office, right? Like I don't tend to do any, any innovation, right? Like I don't, I don't force myself to sit upstairs in my office and go, okay, for the next two and a half hours, I'm not allowed to leave. I have to be sitting here and I'm yeah. bored. So therefore I'll dream up things that would be fun to do. And then I go, you know, set up a server, set up VMs, set up Raspberry Pis. I, and, and when you went to, when I would go to the VMware, VMware campus and sit, there are blocks of time when I didn't really have any to do. I wasn't, I didn't really have any tasks that needed to be done. And so I would have some time to just sit and be bored. And therefore I would create work for myself or to design things that I think would be good for the community or go engage on some posts that had nothing to do with what I was supposed to be doing. And now yeah. because I'm home, when I get free time, I, I go outside in my backyard and I do some gardening. I go mess with my bees. I go, you know, shoot some basketball hoops in the driveway, whatever I want to do. I'm not forced to just have time where I, I'm not going to drive home. So that's my, my biggest challenge is how to motivate myself to innovate given it's not task-based or any activities that aren't task-based tend to fall by the wayside right so i, th I think i understand that too yeah it's it, it, it's it's forcing a whole lot of discipline from 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 people around the world so you, you you'd have to think outside the box and 
and start looking at things from a different light or through, through a different lens and um and start to start appreciating some of the things you had before and um, right. the new normal that we have now and that that's where i come back to your blog right like how do you force yourself because i'm sure no one's paying you to do blog articles right like and so how do you I, force I yourself? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly don't we all right um, yeah yeah how do you force yourself to allocate time to to do something like a blog article which you obviously have been doing you know even though that's not part of your task list yeah so um, um a lot of times um the ideas come to me in the shower which is very weird i don't know if that happens to anybody else but there are sometimes i'm 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 having a bad and i'm thinking something oh this is some some cool stuff to write about and um and when i see because recently i wrote i wrote a blog about um uh, um, the, the, the basics of design. And I remember somebody reaching out to me and telling me that he actually had a tax recently where he had to design something, an environment, and the blog actually helped. So hearing stories like that actually makes me motivated to continue to do that. But the way I do it is um, I try to make time at, in, in, the, in the evenings. Um, somehow uh, I find myself more productive in the, in the evening times and in the night when probably the kids have gone to sleep and everywhere is just quiet and I'm supposed to be feeling sleepy, but then that's when my brain starts working in, in, in that particular fashion. So I just tend to start writing things down on Google Keep and then after a few after a while those things now become they are now fleshed off into a full um, a full blog that I can actually just post. But I try to do that um, as often as possible. And also because I, I engage with a lot of um, customers um, on a day-to-day -day basis and I'm, I'm also very close to certain teams in, in, in my organization. I get to see a lot of that yeah, and the technology that, that, is being, that is being utilized here and there and um, when I'm solving problems I also get to um, <laughs> I, 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 I get to work a lot with, with some of those technologies. Recently I, I, I was looking at um, why in my house putting some IoT devices in my house so I got to do a whole lot of research which would now end up featuring in one of my blogs. So that's that's the way I do it. Nice. I, yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. I, I also see that, that one of the, the, the items that are on your CV is certifications. And you, you carry quite a, a few of those. So can you tell us a little bit about your certification journey and, and how you've made it a priority to, to you know, pursue certifications and how that fits into your overall career path? Okay, so um, when it comes to certifications, I, I think I started doing it more intentionally during the pandemic. And uh, just like Eric said, was, I had a lot of free time because I wasn't physically locked into the office. So I just looked at myself and what I had, what I was interested in. So I made a, a calendar and I listed out um, things I was interested in, things I already knew about, but I wanted to get certified in. And I put it down, I put some time, time, um, from some timelines and then most importantly I put a budget and by the time I was done with the budget it was a whole lot of money to achieve those certifications. So what I did was I became very active in um, Empower, um, VMware Empower, the events and um, luckily enough I got two vouchers for my VCAP from that event and then VMworld in 2020 I got some other vouchers 
So I, I was lucky enough to get some vouchers, which further motivated me to continue to do that. But the way I see certifications is certifications gives me an opportunity to have certain kinds of conversations with people. Um, so I may know about a, kind of a particular technology in my head, or I may have used it, but um, if I don't get certified or I get a document to show um, that I have it, I would need to be in a room with those people to be able to express or to explain that, okay, I actually do this. And, and, and things like that. But those certifications have gotten me into certain rooms. It has had me, it made me have a, a whole lot of conversations with people from around the world. And it has actually been very, a very interesting journey. So um, in 2020, I was during the pandemic, I was very, um, I was very, I was able to do about seven certifications that year. And after achieving it, I was like, okay, that's, that's very good. Let me try and do that. Um, this year as well, but this year became a whole lot of busy because we're not going back to physical work. So I've not been able to um, do my target from last year, but that's, that's when it all started during the pandemic. So the pandemic was actually a blessing in, in some aspects as well. Yeah, interesting. I, I look at the list, right? I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, on your blog, you have your certifications there, right? So it's like, it is a, it is, you've, you've gone through quite a few and I got to give you credit for that and taking time to allocate it and going and doing it, right? Like it's a, it's, it's work, but you're right. It enables that conversation, right? Because you, you learn enough about the technology to be able to have that conversation with customers. Um, are you doing most of your customer interactions when you do do consulting and architecting? Are you doing it through Zoom or through online, you know, engagement, I would assume, or do, do you guys actually meet people? Yes, so uh, during the pandemic, it was through Zoom. Uh, even though, like I mentioned, there are some stubborn companies that want to see you physically, they want to be sure you exist. <laughs> But it's having sense of conversation with you. But um, nowadays, it's a mix of both. We use Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and um, sometimes you have physical meetings and all. But I, I, I enjoy, I, I think having the Zoom meetings made it a little bit more efficient because um, I didn't have to schedule time, get um, um, access to the environment to, to have those conversations. I could just schedule a meeting, have a preliminary conversation with them, and then probably if we now have to analyze um, their current environment, then we can now schedule the session and I'll actually go and um, take a look with the rest of the team what, what they have currently and things like that. But we actually do a mix of both of those things. So, so Nee, did you want to actually meet Corey? Uh, where did you, did you want to say hello to him? I know you're a V expert, so I thought I would. Uh, I pinged him and said, Corey, you got to come in and say hi to Nee. Right? Hey, Nee, how are you? I'm doing fine. It's nice to it's nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you as well. Hopefully, uh, hopefully next year we'll be able to see each other in person at VMworld. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am as well. Yeah, the one of the biggest things I miss, you know, in my career is the past two years is really meeting and uh, you know having that conversation face to face and shaking the hands and you know just talking with the people that I work with and interact with on a daily basis. So, yeah. Hopefully we I'm, get to I'm looking that. forward to 2022 for that. For yes, that I am as well. Yeah, we'll be in the US in the in in Vegas, right? Yes, Not in Barcelona. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'll be. I'll probably be at both. Right. Yep. If, if we're having in-person events at both, I'll be at both. Oh, okay. That that that'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be great. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, got, I got my first chance at the VX parties, even though I missed this year's this year's um, event, but I got to watch the Zoom recording. So I could, I was trying to imagine how it have how it, it would have been at the in in person event. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. But this is my first year. Oh, uh, awesome! VX, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a fun event, right? It's really a fun event. Um, you know, we get we get so many people to come in. Uh, when, Pat, when Pat Gelsinger was our CEO, he would come to all of our events. Um, I think the last one in Barcelona, um, he's saying happy birthday to one of the V experts, right? Oh, wow. So, yeah, he got up. There's a Twitter video on it. He got up and sang happy birthday. And, yeah, it was it was oh. really cool. It's it's a cool experience uh, to be at the V uh, celebration party for sure. That, that would be nice because, funny enough, my birthday fell within the Barcelona event. Um, so, Probably next next year's own. I'll be looking forward to Rago to <laughs> yes to sing some happy birthdays to me. Yes, yes, we're we're gonna try to get Ragu into the uh, into the parties for sure. We'll have to get ahead of that so we can uh, lock him down on his schedule. Yeah, he's uh, a, he's cool. a good community guy. I'm certain he'll he'll attend. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it uh, it it you know we do miss that. I do miss getting everybody together. I miss getting uh, some free food and alcohol and uh, just just chat chatting. I miss the pinball museum and uh, it, you know I just miss all of the experts and all all the stuff and just kind of I th- I really did like the awards this year though. I think that's a fun. I think we'll probably try to do that. Keep keep going, keep that going. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, that was that. really cool to do. Well, all right. So we were talking knee on certifications. Corey, thanks a lot for stopping by. I pinged him because I knew uh, knee wanted to say hello and uh, a V expert. So appreciate you dropping in and saying hi. Yeah, thanks for that, Eric. Thank Thanks, Eric. Knee. Uh, pleasure to meet you, and I hope to see you next year. Same here. See you right. around. All right. All right. Bye. 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 Yeah. So uh, back to your certifications. You've got your certifications. On your blog, let's l- circle back and talk about your blog a little bit more, right? Like, do you have a particular topic that you find most interesting? I noticed you have uh, V Realize Director, right? Uh, and, you know, that article is interesting in the sense that you're calling out how to manage tenancy right there. Like, are, are there topics that you find are the most interesting? Or is it you're generally what your customers come in and uh, ask you for? That's one question. The other question, quicker question, do your customers ever come in? and want to see a tour of your data center? Yes. If I think most of the customers want to see it's all a data center. And uh, it comes back to what I said earlier. Um, the fact that here we are not very... Uh, we, 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 and, and that's probably why cloud didn't move as much here because people are still um, prone to look at things that are actually tangible and physical. So when, when, whenever I'm selling a solution or having conversations with certain customers, it always ends in, I need to see a 12 your data center. Even after you show the demo, they would like to physically see um, where, where, where your cloud environment is running from or where your data will be sitting. So yes, a physical tour is always one of the things that they ask for. And recently we started doing virtual tours and we want to see how that would go, probably doing a video of our locations and um, the different availability zones and then running customers through that. Hopefully that would, save um, time when it comes to decision making for our customers. But yeah, the, the other question you had asked about, um, yeah, so for my blog, what, 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 what I write about is mainly what I'm interested in, not only what um, customers are asking for. Um, so um, a lot of times, like recently, um, before, before my VMworld article, I, I was writing about VMworld on AWS. 
And that was because I had read a few articles about it, I had watched some videos about it, and I realized that it could integrate very well with our cloud environment in in one that runs on VMware um, and cloud director. So I was interested to um, to learn a whole, a whole lot more about it. And then after learning about it, I thought, okay, hey, I could write, write about it and then share some of my experiences or some of my ideas around how that would actually take people and customers to a, to a new uh, multi-cloud journey, um, especially when they're looking at their workload. So, and um, it, in, in a sense, some of those articles actually um, are, are propped up by or push, pushes from customer or pushes from engagements I'm having with people. And then on the other side, it's just things I'm interested in. So it's a mix of both in, in, in some sense. How long is one of your articles? Like how much time do you spend building building an article? Like uh, do you do it at one evening? Is it like a week long process? What's the process to, to put one of your articles together? Uh, they're different. They're different. Um, whenever I have to put pictures or probably work on a, a visual diagram and put in a design, it takes a whole lot longer. But when I'm just putting out text, I'm, um, um, those those come very quickly. Um, in my in my career, I've written a whole lot of proposals to customers. So uh, writing is kind of fun uh, for me, and writing comes spontaneous. So um, I have the idea in my head, and I might be, I might be. Um, working on that idea for like a uh, for like a week but then the words have not come together yet but once i put once i sit on my computer and say, okay i want to write about this or once i've met i've hit the deadline that i've given myself the words just start flowing i keep typing and typing and typing and typing so that, that's how it happens sometimes some blogs happen in a few hours some take a week or two weeks yeah very nice very nice Matt, uh, we're coming up to the last 10 minutes of the show. Any other things uh, we should be asking me? Um, my standard questions, Eric. If a listener would want to follow you on social media, how, how are they best to reach out to you, sir? Or is okay, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, and, and again, maybe uh, if you could uh, mention the URL for your blog site. Okay, so the URL is just mymusings.com. And um, uh, Twitter handle is N-I-Y-I-J-R. And uh, LinkedIn, it's um, a little more complex. But I think I just searched for my first name and my last name, Nia Shibelo, on LinkedIn. But LinkedIn and Twitter are the, are the social media handles that I'm more active on. I I'm sure they can find you from your Twitter profile on LinkedIn. Yes, yes, exactly. And also for my blog. So I think I've, I've I, I, I looked at your blog and I couldn't find your name or your Twitter handle or anything about you. When I went to the about me, you have a great discussion of who you are uh, with kind of a fuzzed out picture, you know, like that. So, okay. But yeah. I, where, where is your name and your Twitter? I couldn't find it. Maybe it's buried. Okay. Good feedback. Good feedback. I'll work on that. <laughs> I think it must have skipped. Skip, skip my mind completely. Yeah, so I think that's that's some good feedback. Out, I'll be sure to put that in there. Somewhere. I wasn't sure we were allowed to use your name because I thought, well, maybe he's <laughs> trying to be incognito and he's you know he doesn't want people to know who he is, and so he's just like the just my musing guy, and you have to figure it out. It's like where's Waldo? You have to try to figure out. <laughs> yeah, it's a good puzzle. Yeah, probably I should do the treasure hunt on that. Anybody can guess my name and things like that. But. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, that's good feedback. Thanks, Eric. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, all right. I'll be sure to see <laughs> Just what I was checking on that, right? So what is your Twitter handle at? 
That's N-I-Y-I-G-L. Okay, perfect. Great, great. Yeah. All right. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it, you know, nice to, nice to get some perspective of what it's like in your country and what it's like for your What city are you out of? I'm in the capital, Abuja. Abuja, okay. Yes. Good. Yeah, I wouldn't know where that was. I'm gonna have to go look it up on a map now. I'm gonna have to go Google that. And... I, was, I was hoping. I was hoping that probably during your during your career, you had actually visited, and then once I said Abuja, you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember visiting that the other day. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whenever you do have to come around, I'd be happy to take you around. That would be awesome. Yeah, I'll bring Corey. Me and Corey will go. will come over there and hang out with you, right? And uh, have some awesome, fun. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. All Obviously right. He doesn't have an office in Abuja, though. I think the office is in Lagos, the former capital. Nice. Um, let me see if we got anything else here that uh, we need to know about. I've asked you about your favorite articles. You don't. You have just all of them. They're all your favorite. Uh, I like the yeah. YVMC on AWS. I think that's nice. And the multi-tenancy on VRealize, JustMyMusings.com. Nice, nice, clean blog article. I see that you're hosting on WordPress. I always tell people it doesn't take a lot of energy to get this set up because WordPress, they pay a little bit of dollars every month or whatever, like $7 or something pretty cheap. And then you have a yeah. blog platform and you have WordPress and you don't have to do anything. It's just a classic SaaS service, right? Um, exactly. Registered your domain and away you go, just my musings.com. Uh, easy to set up and, uh, and then just... Just publish and publish your ideas. I love I love that idea. And then submit yourself uh, for the expert, right? And engage with the community, uh, which then is valuable. You get traffic. Um, and have you and ever uh, speaking of the expert applications, Eric? Uh, just to, to put it in there uh, again, they will open up for the second half on twelve six, and then run through uh, the fourteenth of January this year, and we'll have announcements in the middle of February. I, I know Corey joined us late, but uh, I would be remiss to say that with the, as much as we've talked about the experts uh, throughout the, this podcast, again, that they're going to open up on 12.6 and run through 1.14. Yep, the experts are, apps are coming. Nice. Um, all right. Nee, we're going to have you back on in uh, January, and you better have your name on your blog. That's all I got to say. You, you have an action item now. <laughs> I'll, do that, I'll do that this evening. I'll fix that this evening. I'll, I'll get a better picture, too. All right, we're going to blank out your camera if your name isn't there because you know, we know that you're you're not there. Uh, at, the, at the last bit of the podcast, we do host this podcast on YouTube, youtube.com slash vbarbecue, uh, B-A-R-B-E. C-U-E, and uh, you can go check us out, see what Need looks like, see what we all look like. Uh, it's a community podcast. We like that. At the end of it, because it's a V barbecue, and we tend to have V barbecue, uh, we try to do barbecue at the V expert uh, parties if we can. Um, question for you, Need: do, do, does Nigerians do barbecue? And if you do, what's your favorite barbecue? Okay, so here we don't, we don't have it... Um, it's not like a, every every man has his own barbecue in his backyard. We have what they call suya joints, S-U-Y-A. Okay. So that's so, uh, like some guy um, in different locations that um, has his grill and everything, and um, and um, it's actually some fun, some 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 of those fun times. Just going there, buy suya and um, different flavors, different kinds of meats, and then have it with what they call masa, which is like. Uh, I think it's rice, some rice meal. Okay. And then a lot of onions and pepper and some cool stuff. 
So they give you a, a rice pilaf kind of base, right, with onions and peppers and things. Then they put the meat on top of that, and you get like a, a, a barbecued meat. How do you say that's S-A-Y-A? Say it again. S-U-Y-A. Suya. All right. Nice. Yeah. Right in Nigeria, right? You go down and, yeah, we don't just talk about what we barbecue, but also what are our favorite barbecue places. So sorry, I should have made that clear, looking for what is your favorite barbecue anywhere. So Suya in Nigeria, and then do you like what do they do? Pork, meat, fish. What what what's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite meat? It's, my favorite is chicken, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's chicken and gizzard. So chicken gizzard, they do chicken gizzard and beef, and then liver in some in some cases. But my favorite is chicken and, and gizzard. Very nice. Very good. Very good. Matt uh, and uh, Tony Foster. I know Tony Foster's on the on the call as well. Been patient to stand around. Tony, any uh, any barbecue report from you today? So I so haven't gotten to barbecue, gotten any barbecue this week, week, but it's getting cold out, so it's time to start cleaning up the grill. Um, and so I've been spending some time cleaning up my grill and uh, getting things cleaned up for the winter. All right, so are you going to, like, do a winter snow angel again and put it on Twitter, you know, and then, you know, show some barbecue while you're it, running around the house? I got I to know that. If we, get, if we get snow here in Kansas, uh, I will do it, yes. All right. Uh, Tony Foster, every year if he gets snow, he strips down to his skivvies, you know, and then he runs around his house half naked, right, and then jumps in the snow and does a snow angel, angel half with just boxer shorts on or whatever. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys get some snow again. Uh, I guess you got to clean up your barbecue and put it under, under cover. I do that. I wish in California we don't really have to do that. I put it under a cover, but you know we barbecue all year long, so it's it's perfectly fine. Uh, and I have not done well, any barbecue. I mean, you guys do. What kind of barbecue do we do? Uh, yeah, we, we do like seven-hour smokes of pork, right? Brisket, uh, also. So uh, uh, Corey and myself will do large, you know, pork. You know, at via the experts, we actually had a whole pig come in and they slow roasted the the, the pigs. So mostly pork. Uh, obviously, tri-tip in California is big, so we'll do dry rub tri-tip. So take a tri-tip, put dry rub on it, let it sit overnight in a dry rub, and then slow smoke it as well. Right. Um, uh, Tony Foster loves to do kind of weird stuff. So he'll do crab. He'll do uh, all kinds of things. Tony likes to do vegetables, right? Like he'll like to, he'll like to uh, barbecue or smoke artichokes. Tony comes on, does a lot of that. So a lot of that. And then Matt, Matt is a, a barbecue master. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he stays current. Like, I don't know what Matt does really. This is where you're going nope, 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 nope. to nope, 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 no natural gas outdoor oven. So I'll just, just preempt it there and say that, yeah, say that I've been down in the Carolinas uh, the last couple of weeks and I haven't got to use my natural gas outdoor oven. And um, so barbecuing has been limited on my end. However, I have been on a very um, intense fish taco tour of the, the Outer Banks of the Carolinas, and I have found what has been my favorite, which is a place in Nags Head called Mulligans, and they are rather good. This is after probably at least a dozen different locations, and they seem to be the best. So Nag a Head. quasi barbecue report because 
the, the fish that they used was fresh local catch and it was grilled and not fried. And it really made out uh, to be rather good fish tacos. Nag head in the Outer Banks. Uh, Nag's head, plural. Nag, the Outer Banks. Nag head. All right, that sounds great. I know in North Carolina they do crawfish too, right? So there's some that they do. Look for some good crawfish down there as well. They 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 do a good job with that. All right, with that we're at the top of the hour. Uh, knee, thanks a lot for being on the show and uh, sharing with us what it's like in Nigeria to be a cloud service provider and uh, and uh, learning about your life you, and who you are and uh, what you've been focused on in your blog. Thanks for coming. Thank you, and now I'm hungry. Well, it was great. It was great having having this talk with you guys. But well, in, yeah, I've got to talk about barbecue and fish. Yeah, in California, it is lunchtime now, so we we do this right as we because we actually do the podcast over to lunchtime. So because this is our day, our day job. So we do this as through uh, uh, at our lunchtime every Wednesdays. So by the time we're done, we're always hungry. So we thought, why not throw in some beef barbecue? So they were excited about it. Yeah. And at the Palo Alto campus and VMware during the summer, they serve barbecue. They have outdoor barbecues. So we'll go up after the podcast with our guests if they're on campus and take them and get some barbecue at the end. So. All right, with that, thanks a lot, oh, Julia that, that, Klaus. Shout out to Julia, Tony Foster, Graham. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks again, Nee, Matt. Thanks for coming uh, when you're you're remote. Appreciate it. Everybody, have a great rest of your week. We'll be back again next week with the community podcast. Until then, uh, enjoy some barbecue. Thank you, everyone. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.